You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Yeah, Jesus. I'll I'll tell you that I felt like there was something on. I'm just going to push into that a little bit more on the trust thing. Um, I just had had another sozo yesterday. We do leadership sozos. We did did probably a year and a half ago. Is that about right? Huh? Closer to two years ago? Closer to two years ago. So... um, we have went through them a couple times together as a team. Now, all of us have probably went through them more than once uh, or more than twice or more than three times. <laughs> and you do regular, regular maintenance. If you're not doing regular maintenance, but you're doing it to your car, I wonder why you're not doing it to your soul. <laughs> right? I think it's more, it's more valuable than it's the, you know, the eternal, the car. Yeah, I'm grateful that it'll last for a while. And, um, but, but we take care of the things that are valuable to us that we care about, Right? And it's easy in that time to actually discount the fact that we, that um, the things that are inside of us that are eternal are are one of those things is our soul. Now I know on the other side of heaven will be will be completely whole and healed in that moment that we transition to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But I don't want to wait until I get there to live whole on the planet, right? And we pick stuff up along the way. It doesn't mean we. We, you know, Jesus makes us whole, and then there's some things that we end up dealing with that are like in layers, and um, it's just a, it's a process with him. I don't like process. I like immediate results, to be honest with you. Uh, so as we went in for Sozo's yesterday, <clears throat> you know, we talk about allowing God to, or allowing God to love us. It's one of the, it's our primary position. One of our most important things that we can do is allow him to love us. But for me to allow him to love me, I need to allow him to hold me. And for, to allow him to hold me, I need to trust him. I get to trust him. And when things happen, it is easy for us to stop trusting in ways that we didn't realize we did. Because of disappointment, because of frustration, because of you think promises not fulfilled or so just continue to walk through this, this healing with, with my body and all that stuff. I didn't realize that there were ways in which I actually felt like he wasn't coming through for me, but he was coming through for others. And I believe him for you, but I, I didn't, you know, it just started to be in this place of I had lower hope than what I used to. And with that hope went, went some trust. And so he, he healed those, those things, and I didn't even realize it, that I needed it. You know, you go into a inner healing session, you're like, let's deal with this, Jesus. And he's like, how about this? <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's really good. So I say all that to say that sometimes in the busyness of life, we think that we're operating at a, level of, at a high level, and then we go into one of those sessions where people that are heart surgeons are working with us, essentially, and we find out, oh, I was, I was actually really walking with a limp. You know, I really wasn't. I was operating, operating here, and God has, you know, the sky's the limit for me. So there's, there's no, you know, to the increase of his government, there'll be no end. With that, I believe to the increase of our growth, there can be no end as well. <clears throat> where, I, where I choose to level off is up to me. And the only way that I'm going to thrive in life is if my, my soul is, is thriving, right? And one of the major things in that is believing truth. I don't want to paint the picture that it's all about it's all about inner healing, that I'm going to go to people and they're going to fix me. Those people in those inner healing sessions help us to actually come to the knowledge of the things that we're believing that are lies and the other things that we're, we're not believing that are truths. And the Father, in those sessions, they're to be encounters with Him. And mine are always great big encounters. And He speaks truth to me and it takes my beliefs to a higher level. Because that's the, one of the primary things. It, it's not a, you know, I'm going to go in, they're just going to fix me. 
Now, it's, it's not that. It, is, it, it expedites the process in some ways and gives us an opportunity to become responsible with truth. And it's, it's just, a, it's, it's beautiful, but it's not, there's not any counselor, inner healer, or anybody that's going to fix, going to fix us. They're going to help us continue to process and be responsible with the level of truth that God has given us in this season. It's vitally important. If I don't function at the highest level of hope in any, at all the areas of my life, then there's things that I'm believing that aren't true. I'm sorry for the harsh reality, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's the Bible. Like, he's the God of all hope. And so this is my, my gauge. And then at the same time, I recognize those areas that I still need to grow, but I don't focus there. As we often say, I focus 90% on the areas where I'm growing and 10% on the areas where I need to grow. So that, so that my hope and my joy don't get deflated by look, looking at this great big area of like, wow, I'm a mess. And the truth of the matter is that none of us are as big a mess as we used to be. Right? <laughs> it's progress. It's progress is taking place. It's, it is happening. But if I look in the rearview mirror or look at the mess of, of what's going on in an area of my life or a couple areas, whatever it is, uh, then I will, that thing will, will enlarge and get really big. You know, the biblical principle of magnification. Whatever I focus on gets bigger. And I get the opportunity, I get the privilege of choosing where I focus my attention and my time. And so it's just, a, it's a beautiful process. I, um, <clears throat> we went to talk to Dr. You know, Dr. Mike um, Hutchings that wrote a book on, uh, a book on being healed of trauma. Do you remember the name of it, Joe? Supernatural Freedom from Captivity to Trauma by Dr. Mike Hutchings. Uh, he's had several testimonies of people getting healed of trauma while they're reading the book. They've seen over 20,000 people healed of, of PTSD. Um, Joe, will we'll give it to you. If you punch in Dr. Mike Hutchings on uh, Amazon, it will come up. It's, um, he is he's an incredible, incredible mentor. And, and um, so... <laughs> We, real, we found out in those sessions, I'm like, everybody's experienced trauma in some way. And so everybody can benefit from, from, some, from some kind of inner healing, you know. And um, it's just a, a beautiful process. And in the midst of it, though we still may not be completely whole in some ways. I know Jesus makes us whole, but our soul, where it's been hurt, let's just say it like this. We may still have some hurts or some things we're not believing that are completely true. And, and still, we can still burn for him. And so what I want to talk to you about today is what personal revival looks like. Because, you know, I, I pray, for, pray for revival. I want to define it to you in a way that I hope makes it make sense that revival is not for the world, but it's for the church. But God's mind isn't just on, on revival. Because to me, in my definition of it, and some people the way we define it is, is a matter of semantics, but I hope to be able to define the difference between revival and awakening. And God's, God's mind, yes, He wants us to burn for Him, but He also he has a vision for Every nation, he has a vision for every state, every city. He, he has a dream in his heart. Let me say it like this. He has a dream for every nation. He's had a dream before the world was formed. That that nation and that city and, and those states and those places, those territories would thrive according to what he always dreamed they would be. But for that to take place, people are the ones that, that have to be in, in a place where we're actually burning for him in the kingdom has the kingdom principles have infected. You know, the, ki the kingdom is like leaven. It, once it gets into something, it leavens the whole lump, right? Like yeast, it goes throughout. And so once it gets into an area of our life, by design, it's to get into every area of our life. I like what Bill Johnson says, and, and um, I totally agree with it, is that if the whole world was saved today, it would not change the world. Though it would change, it would change the destination of, of the whole world, of the 7.9 or almost 8 billion people that are on the planet. But for culture to be shifted, people have to have kingdom principles in every area of their life. 
People still don't know how to do kingdom finances after they get saved. They don't know how to do kingdom marriage, kingdom relationships, kingdom confrontation, right? A kingdom business, all those things. It has to impact every area of my life. <clears throat> so the beginning of that, I, I believe, is knowing that we are not looking or waiting on a move of God to take place. That God has never stopped moving. God has never stopped moving and we're not waiting for revival to come and sovereignly overtake us. I know, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God doesn't pour out sovereignly in some places. But I'm saying that we don't have to wait on Him to sovereignly pour out. Because my focus used to be, let's get this body of believers, let's get the Revive the World family burning, burning for Him. And, and though that's still part of the focus, my main focus is to make sure that I'm burning for Him. You know, John Wesley said, let, <laughs> he said, light yourself on fire and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. <laughs> and that's the truth of the matter. And that's one of the things that John Wesley and his brother did. They rode on horseback seven days a week, preached three times a day for seven days a week for years, riding, horse, riding on horseback from place to place to place to place. And they ignited, they were a part of awakening that happened in, in the United States in the late in the late 1700s into the 1800s, and two awakenings happened in the 1700s, the only two that we've ever had. Yeah. And so the difference between that revival is, is that I personally get to burn for him, and when the church is burning for him within the building, and we have allowed him to consume us, and I'll give you some, some scripture to go with that here in a minute. That's what revival looks like. You say signs, wonders, and miracles mark revival. Yeah, signs, wonders, and miracles are always the neon sign that is pointing to Jesus. At least they're supposed to be. They're also supposed to be a given. <sighs> that we don't have to have revival for signs, wonders, and miracles to happen because they follow believers. That's what it says in Mark 16. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow believers. You say, what do I got to do for that to happen? You just got to be a believer. I think you probably qualify if you're in this room. I know everybody at some level in the room. I know you're all believers. So believing that is, is pivotal to signs, wonders, and miracles following me. But when that happens, what God's plan is, is to take the people that are in personal revival. Because revival is created to be a lifestyle, not just an event. And when it's a lifestyle, it will never stop. When it's a lifestyle, it will become everything that Jesus planned for it to be. And it's, it's uh, the whole world being taken over by those that are just laid down servants that are lovers of Jesus and lovers of people. And uh, you could easily say, well, well, does that look like a hostile takeover? With love, yes. <laughs> but it looks, like, it looks like getting low. It doesn't look like dominating. When you think hostile takeover, it, just because of the, just the American culture, you think of we're going to go in and dominate and, and take captives and, and, uh, and destroy and, and, and make sure that that place belongs to us. And in the kingdom, it doesn't look like that. It looks like me actually coming in and getting low and seeing how I can serve people and connecting them to the heart of the Father. So it does, it does look different, even though we could use the same language for it. <clears throat> So, Wednesday night, I defined revival as looking like healthy kingdom family on fire and deeply connected to the heart of the Father and to one another. Looks like healthy kingdom family on fire, deeply connected to the heart of the Father and to one another. You know, we really do believe, I'm going to read to you John 12, verse 24 here in a second, in the New King James. You know, we really do believe that that healthy kingdom family on fire and connected is the revival that the world is, is waiting to see. Because I, I believe that oftentimes that these revivals that have happened in times past have definitely been marked by the holiness of, of God. That there becomes conviction to lifestyles that don't, land, don't line up with kingdom living. Well, conviction. And, and do, do we need it in our day and time right now? Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, there's so many lines that are blurred when it, when it comes to so many things that have become distorted and perverted within our culture today. 
And you can allow that to make you angry, and you can get on a rant on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you like to do, or you can allow it to actually break your heart for the people that are caught up in that culture, that are caught up in those lifestyles, that realize they're operating at less than a level than God created them for. I saw this post on Facebook the other day. It said, you know, basically it's asking the question, um, and you see these things often, can this type of person that lives this lifestyle uh, be a Christian. That's not the that's not the million dollar question. The question is is that what is that what God created them for? And the bigger question is if it's if it's not, then who's going to love them into the place that that they were created for? Who's going to love them into wholeness? Who's going to love them into truth? Who's going to take the time to build a relationship with them so that they can connect to their heart and say, I'll actually invest in you. I care about you. I don't care just about correcting you. I don't care just about telling you that you're wrong or even leading, or not even primarily about discipling you, but I actually care about you. I care about you. <laughs> you know, this youth pastor, uh, I heard a story of the, the other day. Um, he's a guy that I know, and he was dealing with a, a situation, and this young man uh, was just in a tough spot as a teenager in this world today, and and he sat down with him and has invested in his life, and he's shown him that he loves him, and then towards the end of this one particular conversation that they were having, he actually began to speak truth to him. So this is what the Bible says about the topic, you know, and and, and the kid received it. But before anybody that brought up anything that opposed what he believed, he would shut them down immediately. But he didn't shut this young man down. And he said, I actually, he said, last time somebody tried to talk to me about this, um, they told me the exact opposite of what you did. And he said, oh yeah, tell me what they said. And what happened was, is his experience with a counselor saying the exact same thing that this youth pastor said. He remembered it differently because the, because the counselor didn't care and didn't, connect to, didn't get connected to him first. He just tried to correct his behavior. And so they had both said the same thing, but one did it because they cared about them and the other did it because that was their job. And I'm, hear me what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's counselors that don't care. I, if I send you to a counselor, I can guarantee they care about you. But I'm just saying, this one situation in, in this particular, with this particular young man, same thing said, two different experiences, at least remembered them that way. Wow. And now his life is changing. <clears throat> you know, it would, be, it would be easy to, if, if you look at statistics or things that are going on in the world today, it would be easy for you to get bummed out with what's happening in our nation, Right? But what I did is that I encourage you to do is go, go read about the first and second great awakenings that took place in, in America and look at the spiritual state that the country was in at those times. I believe it was in the first one or, or second, I can't remember which one, is that people had become educated so they thought, I don't need God anymore. <clears throat> and all it took was a handful of people who said, I won't, I won't compromise the gospel and I'm going to burn for him. And they began to preach the truth. And began to call other pastors out for allowing half what they call uh, halfway covenants come into the church. Basically, halfway membership. As they allow people to be church members, though they weren't saved, um, hadn't given their life to Jesus. But they allowed them church membership because they were influential in the community. And they had money. <laughs> And, and these particular men of God begin to call those, those pastors out. And come to find out, some of the pastors weren't even really saved. And so look, look back at the state of the church then, and I promise you it will bring you hope for what we have now, because God's doing so much more in our hour in the church. There's so much more happening just in our nation in the church. There's groups of people all over the 50 states that are burning for Him that are going after this thing, that won't compromise. It's a movement that is taking place. It's a kingdom movement. It's not any particular denomination. It's just people that are willing to, to, to actually burn for Him at any cost and realizing 
as I've heard a man say before, that we've found the one thing that's worth giving our whole lives for. Right? So in the midst of everything that's going on in my life, regardless of of the issues I may still have or the things I'm working through or the truth that I may not believe yet or the hopelessness that may be in some areas, regardless of any of that, all of the people that have ever helped start anything, any move of God in the earth today all had some sort of issue. They, none of them had, that I can tell from my, from my searching, none of them had glistening hope in every area of their life. And some of them were completely messed up. And some of them preached things that I don't even agree with. You know what? And people gave their lives to Jesus and burned. It just shows us that he makes, he makes up the difference. Because nobody's got their theology completely figured out yet. We know this one thing, that Jesus is the only way. Right? Like Jesus is the only way. The, the gospel, you know, that's it. That's the absolute that I know. Everything else is, is shifting and changing all the time. And so all of them, let that bring you hope that regardless of the state that you feel like you currently are in, that burning for him doesn't have to be optional in any season of my life. That revival is already on the inside of every single one of us. Jesus said in in John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Who knows that Jesus was talking about his own life? Unless a grain, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. Now that, to the agricultural world, they they knew that in that time. He was speaking to people that understood that language. And we can understand that language right now, even if you don't have a green thumb. I don't know that I've, I've ever grown much. I thought about having a garden sometime soon, and then I thought about how much work it was, and then I thought differently. I thought maybe when I get older, I don't know. Maybe I'll get stuff out of your garden if you'll let me. I, <laughs> I know some people in, in the back of their yard, way back, has got a, they've got neighbors that have a great big garden, and so we're waiting to befriend them, but we, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> so, so tie that in. Jesus says that basically his, his life is a seed. He tells the disciples that it's better for me to go than for me to stay right? The promise of the Father is coming. If I go in the upper room discourse, you look at John 13 uh, through 16, what theologians call the upper room discourse, you see Jesus speak this. He says, better for me, me to leave. The promise of the Father is going to come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? He's talking about there's going to be a deposit made into your life that is, is only going to happen if I, if I go. If I die first, if I, if I go lay down on this cross, give my life, and I'm resurrected and ascend to heaven, it's the only way it's going to take place. Because they want him to hang out. Because Jesus is doing all the stuff, right? It's like Jesus is doing miracles. When we can't do a miracle, we can bring the guy to Jesus and he'll do it. <clears throat> but he did all that to empower the ones he was with. He was saying, you don't need me physically present as a person full of the Holy Spirit. You actually need to be filled with me after the resurrection. You need to be filled with, you, you need God upon you and within you the way that you see me walking with him. And, and you'll get that. He knew. He knew that they'd get that. So in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, <clears throat> again in the New King James, we often use this scripture when it comes to identity, it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we got born again by incorruptible seed. So we could agree that there was a seed that was, came on the inside of us. And I propose to you that that seed was the, was the kingdom, was the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy, that you got a little bitty Holy Spirit. I'm saying that there was, there was in seed form, the DNA of the kingdom came on the inside of us and has, has within it, it contains within that one seed of the kingdom, the ability to change our whole lives if we allow it to. <clears throat> that makes sense? That it's, that it's in there. So the same thing that Jesus walked the planet in Holy Spirit Right? The kingdom came within. You, you can look and see holy. Say, what's the kingdom realm? It's contained within Holy Spirit. Look at Romans 14. Romans 14, 17. 
it, it shows us that, that the Holy Spirit is, the kingdom realm is c- contained within him. It's like saying, where's, where's God? He's in heaven. Yeah, he's in heaven, but you know that he actually holds heaven together. He fills all of heaven. You could almost say he is heaven when it comes to the Father, God. He fills, he fills everything, right? He holds us together. The molecular structure of our body is held together by, by God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. <clears throat> all right, we're going to keep going. So those, those seeds are on the inside of us. And what I have found in my own personal life, when I gave my life to Jesus, there was fire that came from the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And what I believe is, is that fire was, was created by the Holy Spirit to ignite the seed of revival that's, that's within. And he was showing me that you can live a revival lifestyle, that you don't have to wait for an event to take place, but you can actually burn for me and be in personal revival and become contagious and actually ignite others around you everywhere you go. So that this thing becomes a movement and it's not dependent on one church, one place. I love the things that God's doing all over the planet, but I don't think his ultimate plan is to see God pour, see his spirit poured out just in particular places. How's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord going to fill the, fill the earth as the waters cover the sea? If it's just in churches in, in certain places. I believe those things become hotbeds for the Spirit of God for others to get ignited and go into the rest of the world to see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Because it could be argued that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is seen upon you and me. If you look in 2 Corinthians 3, you find that out. That the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, right? It's Him. You don't have to make it mystical. It's, just, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> just, make, just make it simple. I love the deep things of God, but just, just make, it, make it simple. Is that the glory of the Lord is upon us to become visible to the rest of the planets. And I believe that it becomes most visible when we're burning. <clears throat> so, that re- revival is on the inside of each and every single one of us. And sometimes what I've found out as I've walked with God is that there are seasons where I'm not burning as much as I did in others. You ever found that out? Is that life happens? Some of those things happen that I talk about that shatter your hope, shatter your dreams, promises aren't fulfilled. You start out burning for Him and then, and then you, you find out that becoming a Christian didn't actually make it to where everything in life would go your way. We apologize often if somebody told you that. You become a Christian and life will be amazing. Well, they didn't define what that is. It will be amazing because Jesus is enough, but it doesn't mean that it will be amazing because everything's going to go my way. (laughs) You try to teach your kids that when they're younger. You know what? You don't give them their way and you're like, listen, it's going to help you because actually when you get out in the real world, life isn't going to treat you so well sometimes. And you're going to need to know that it's not supposed to go your way all the time. And in the kingdom, we have to find out, even though it doesn't go my way, it doesn't have to affect the fire that I carry. And I know from personal experience what that's like. Even as a pastor over the last almost eight years and being in ministry the last 10, I know that there have been unfortunate peaks and valleys in in my life. You say, well, the valley is where... All the rainwater goes when you're walking through the valley. I, that's great. I agree that that's the case. But I don't, I don't agree that going through the valley, ha, it has to look like I'm going through it. It doesn't have to, even though it may feel like a desert season in the sense of the things that are happening to me or blessing, or favor, or whatever's going on, I can still remain in the river of God in the midst of the, of the desert. Right? It all depends on my belief system. It doesn't depend on my circumstances. And as Christians, this is what I feel like God is shifting in, in the body of Christ. I believe that He's shifting us out of this place that it has to look good all the time. Everything has to go on my way. They got to sing my song. You, gotta, you know what I mean? They got to say things I agree with. All my friends got to treat me real good. 
right? And it just looks like blessing and God's pouring out. And I'm grateful that seasons look like that, but it doesn't always look like that. And if I think that it should, and I'm only on fire, quote unquote, on fire when things are going my way and blessing has happened, I would propose that it's not actually fire, that it's actually emotion. is that even in worship, this is what happens, is that sometimes we don't let the Spirit of God get past emotion and really minister to us in worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I believe this, that God is to, he ministers to the whole body. Spirit, soul, and body. We're a triune being. I believe He ministers to the whole thing. But I believe there's at times when only emotion takes place and the thing doesn't go deep. And that does us a disservice because in season where things aren't going our way, emotion will not get us through. And you say, well, I just feel drained. I don't feel like I can do it. I, I get that. I've been in those seasons. I've been in, I've been in days for months where it felt like it were get through. Just get through. I have enough energy just to get through. And I just refuse to live like that any longer regardless of what I feel like. And I want to show you today that there's fresh fire available to all of us. Because there's seeds on the inside of us that are waiting to be ignited to where we live in a personal revival that will not be dictated by what happens in the news or the government or what happens at work or what happens in our family or what happens around us or in our relationships, that the fire will not be dictated by any of that stuff because God is waiting. He's waiting for us. We are not waiting for him. He is waiting for a people that will carry fire regardless of what happens. Because he is igniting people all over the planet with this thing. He is. It's happening. And whether I get to be a part of it is going to be my choice, not his. Because he already has invited the whole family into it. There's an open invitation. As Sarah talked about, is that there is a seat at the table for everybody. It is a family affair. It's not just individuals that he's doing this thing with. He's inviting us all into it. And I get to choose how bright my fire burns. So let me share something with you that I think will encourage you as I go into a few scriptures and then land this thing in a place where I believe God's going to bring fresh fire to us. So one of the things that was prophesied over me by David Wagner years ago has been a father of fire for the region, the nation, and the nations of the world. And I feel like God's been waiting on me to really embrace this thing that I'm talking about today in every single way. Because I'm a high emotion, you know, wear my emotions on my sleeve type of person. Not in an unhealthy way, but I'm just passionate and I'm all in and I'm just, that's just the way that I am. It's the way I'm designed. Not quite as passionate as Brazilians or Puerto Ricans, but I am, I am passionate, right? I, I love that culture because they're just passionate by nature, right? It's just, I, I love being around them. You get hype, it doesn't matter. You could sing anything you want in worship and they will go nuts, right? I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> And so I, I am I'm high energy the majority of the time. But in that, there have been many times when I didn't feel good, and so it affected my fire. It affected my passion. It affected my hunger. You'd never known it by being around me unless you really, really knew me. Unless you were really close to me. And those in my inner circle, you would have never known. Because grace and anointing makes up for that stuff when I'm in ministry. But ministry is not my whole life. And the fire is not just to burn when I'm prophesying or praying, healing the sick and and seeing people saved or am in my space, my area of influence. The fire is to burn all day and all night. In Leviticus chapter 6, there was a command to the priests around verse 13 and 14. And they said, the priests shall keep the, the fire on the altar burning day and night. They will provide the wood and lay it on there and make it as a, and provide the sacrifice. Fire shall be burning on the altar and it shall never, it shall never go out. For, you know, in Revelations chapter one, around verse six, it tells us that we now have become kings and priests unto our God. There's a difference though. And I'll, I'll tell it to you in a minute and what the Old Testament was, fire burning on the altar and what it looks like in the New Testament. And so I want to read this about, some of you may have heard this, is that there are 
certain pine trees that have seeds that have resin around them. You know where I'm going? Let me read this to you. Some species of trees actually require fire for their seeds to sprout. Some plants such as the lodge, if I mispronounce, if any of you guys are really into trees and I mispronounce these, forgive me. There's some weird names. So as the lodgepole pine and a a few others, we'll just leave it at that. I watched Chris Falton do it over names in the Old Testament. Like I'm not just going to look silly to try to pronounce these names that that we don't use today. We're just going to skip over those names and just keep going, all right? (laughs) You can give it a shot while you're up here if you want to. I've done it plenty of times and I've learned that I'm just not good at it. Okay, so these certain trees have cones or fruits that are completely sealed with resin. These cones and fruits can only open to release their seeds after the heat of the fire has physically melted the resin. You know, to some, forest fires are are damaging, right? But to some of those trees, those forest fires, the only thing that actually germinates that seed. It's the only thing that gets hot enough to cause that seed to germinate so that there can be more growth. I propose to you that there are seeds that need, to, that need to be ignited on the inside of us. That God wants to pour out fire because there's things on the inside that he's implanted in there. That he's saying, you're, you're not going to prophesy your way into this thing. You're not going to declare your way into this thing. Do all, do all those things. Fast, pray, do all that. Worship, go crazy. But my fire will be the only thing that ignites these seeds on the inside of you. That you're going to need a baptism of fire. Or, I'll give you two different things. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 said, I indeed baptize you with uh, with water unto repentance. That's John the Baptist. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. (laughs) Have you ever heard the testimony about Todd White being baptized with fire? He'd prayed for seven or 800 people and never saw anybody healed. Not one person. Not one healing. None. Seven to eight hundred people. It's not an exaggeration. He prayed for twelve people a day for I don't know how many months. You do the math. Whatever comes up to seven or eight hundred, that's how many he prayed for. You say, how did he do that? Well, he kept going back to the word and he allowed the word to trump his experience. This is what your word says. I don't care what my experience is, this is what your word says. And then he, he started praying. He said, God, I need, I need your baptism of fire. I don't know if he honestly knew theologically what he was talking about. I, I, he just felt like I need fire because I've seen other people get ignited by your fire and I've seen miracles in their life and they're supposed to be in every, the life of every believer. And so I want it in mine. And he prayed for a baptism of fire. And then Randy Clark came to a Dan Moeller's church where Todd was, was at and, and he was on the, I don't know, second or third row. And he actually got to hit with the fire of God the fire of the Holy Spirit. And he was down between the chairs, holding onto the chairs, screaming, God, no more, no more, no more. Don't give me any more. I feel like I'm going to die. And Randy Clark was on stage saying, he's fine, God, give him more. Give him more. I want friends like that. Don't you dare not say more when I'm having an encounter. If you really love me... (laughs) I don't care if I'm screaming, being electrocuted, looking stupid in front of everybody. I would rather look ridiculous to the whole world and have an encounter with God that marked me and changed me forever than worried about what some people think that don't that in the grand scheme of things their opinion matters none. <clears throat> Will you give yourself over to encounter God in a way that may you look may cause you to look foolish? Or would you rather have something that looks like dignity and just make it into heaven? I'm not saying that your encounter will make you look crazy. It may not. Your encounter may look more peaceful than the most peaceful person you've ever seen. It may. But it may not. What are you you willing to give up? Right? What are you you willing to give up? So, I believe the baptism of fire is one one of those things. and, And I also believe that there's, there's fiery trials that we go through. <clears throat> and we can allow, First Peter 
1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. This is the New Living Translation. <laughs> well, somebody would have gave me that scripture when I got saved. Thank you. Don't, don't consider it strange that you're actually going through trials that make it feel like you're walking through fire. <clears throat> Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all of the world. Right? That you actually get to join in with Christ in His suffering. If you're anything like me, I don't want anything bad. Right? <laughs> Nothing bad to happen. It's part of who I am. I don't want anything to bum me out. I don't want, you know, I'd rather keep hope high, joy, just be the life of the party, whatever. But then I, I look at this, and Jesus suffered. Our Lord, our Savior, our King, our everlasting Father suffered on planet Earth. Now, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm not saying God sends suffering to make good things happen to you. Because he, he doesn't have bad things to give to you. Every good and perfect gift, as it says in James, comes down from the Father above. So he's, he's not giving bad things to, to people to try to make them better. He doesn't have to do that. The world will do that for him. Right? He doesn't want it to happen to us, but he also knows at the same time that these trials, if you look in Romans 5, you look in Romans 5 and you look in James chapter 1, and they talk about trials as well and the things and tribulations that we go through. And what do they do? They produce character. They produce perseverance. If you look in James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Have you done that recently? I haven't. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when you, your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's a big deal. Lacking nothing? Like, that's the goal, isn't it? That I realize that I lack nothing. But the only way that I will is if I embrace God as being enough when I go through everything that life sends my way. And if I do that, I believe that the fiery trials can actually be another thing that can ignite the seeds of revival in me. Because I can allow those fiery trials to do one of two things. That I can allow them to kill my fire and bring me into a place of emotion and turn inward to where all I think is about myself again and I actually go back into what is our, our old nature, our sin nature. Because all sin is rooted in selfishness. Or I can allow it to ignite the fire of revival on the inside of me to where it brings me into a place that I actually live a lifestyle of it and that I show the devil and everybody around me that no matter what you send my way, I will not allow it to quench what God gave me and paid such a high price for. <clears throat> How's that sound? The priests, the altar, we're now kings and priests unto our God. It's a gender neutral, neutral term. Is that the, the huge difference between the Old Testament and our new covenant is that I no longer have a figurative altar that I go to as that my heart becomes the altar and I become the sacrifice. You look at Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, with the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God already took care of the holy and acceptable part. <laughs> you, don't have to do, you don't have to make yourself a sacrifice. Sometimes the temptation when we go through trials and they cause us to feel like we don't have it all together is that I feel like, well, I can't burn for him. I can't live in revival because this area of my life is a mess. And so once I get it cleaned up, then I'll go back to the, being, being the sacrifice and being the altar and let him send fire on it. As if it was still Old Testament times and thinking that there's some kind of blemish or spot on me that makes me an unacceptable sacrifice. 
Can I tell you that when you got wrapped in the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, that you became an acceptable sacrifice? And it doesn't matter what mess happens or what thing comes up or what wound was still in your heart or whatever's going on, that you will never stop being an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord because he made you that way. He made you that way. And it's impossible for you. It, it's, it's as impossible as you m- making yourself less desirable to the Lord. Like, well, you don't want anything to do with me because I'm messy right now. No, that would be, that would be saying that he doesn't, he doesn't love me as much as he used to. There's a few things we can't change, and one of them is the love of the Father. And I propose to you that his love is the thing that actually is the fire. And then when I lay my life down, when I say, Jesus, I want to be, I want to do my priestly duties, and I want to lay myself on the altar, and I want to become the sacrifice, regardless of the season I'm going through, if I'm going through fire, I want to embrace that and allow that to ignite the seeds in me. If I'm not going through fire and everything looks like blessing and favor right now, that's great. Then send fresh fire on me. Send a baptism of fire upon me. Or if I'm going through fire, send a baptism of fire upon me too. Right? It's the only place where more fire is good is in the Bible. So stand with me. There's seeds God wants to ignite in us today. He's looking for a people that are willing to to say yes to this and he's finding them all over the planet it's time for awakening to happen in in our nation every great awakening every great awakening that we had it shifted the whole culture the political landscape the educational system the whole church it shifted everything business It shifted the whole world, and that's what God is ultimately after. We get to be a part of it. So I'm going to pray for if you want it. Maybe you're going through fiery trials today, and you have been, and you feel like, I'm just going to let let these fires ignite the seeds of revival within me. It's in there. I promise you. Regardless of what you may feel like is on top of it, it is inside of you. It's in there. (laughs) It's in there. Or maybe you say, man, I just need a baptism of fire. I need you to send fresh fire from the Holy Spirit upon me. Because I've allowed life and other things to beat me down into a place where I don't feel like I'm burning like I used to. That's okay. We've all been there. No shame, no condemnation, no guilt in that. I just, I just was super vulnerable I, and I live a life of vulnerability in front of you guys so that you know there is not one thing that will ever disqualify you from walking in everything that the Father has for you. It's truth. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to come. Jesus, you being the baptizer, we ask that you would come and baptize afresh everyone that desires it. Everybody that's watching, that you'd baptize each one of us afresh in fire. That it would ignite the seeds of revival on the inside of us that would begin a new lifestyle of revival, burning bright for you. Thank you, Father, for sending down fire on the altars of our lives and on the sacrifice of our lives today. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you. We just receive this fresh fire from you today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Just begin to thank him for what he's doing. Thank you. Thank you. Ignite us. Ignite us. Add to what's in us that you've put there, Father. Yeah, thank you.
for those that feel like they're going through fire, we just, uh, we just say yes to allowing that fire to ignite those seeds as well. We declare over our lives we will not allow that fire to affect our fire any longer. We not allow the fiery trials or tribulations or things that happen in this world to affect the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. Yes. Thank you. you declare this with me. I'm going to declare it. I'm declaring it for me too. Never again will I allow life to stop the fire from burning in me. 
but everything I go through will actually cause an increase of everything that the Father placed in me and that I will burn bright and I will burn hot all the days of my life in Jesus name yeah thank you yeah so Father we just we come into agreement Lord with what you have what you're praying for us Jesus we know it's better than our prayers we thank you Father I thank you for a people willing to burn for you through every season of life may we remember this when things come at us things don't go our way whatever the situation is things that we all go through let it refine every area of our thinking let it refine every part of us until the value that you have placed in us through Jesus be so evident to the world that they would be attracted to where we're at, to what we're doing to us. They would be drawn, Lord. They would be drawn to the glory that you've placed within us and upon us. We just come into agreement with everybody that's praying these prayers all over the planet and specifically in our nation that this will result not just in personal revival, we're grateful for that. Not only in a lifestyle of revival, we are grateful for that, but in awakening that shifts culture in every single way that invades business, in the school system, in the political realm, every sphere of influence, Father. Yes, every family, everywhere, Lord, that impacts the church especially. But it invades every area of culture and shifts it. We thank you for awakening. We know it's on your heart. We know it's on your mind. We thank you. We get to be a part of it. We're going to continue to believe you for it till we see it. And the kids that are in the kids' rooms, the little ones, whether in the nursery or the ones that are out there, grade school age, we thank you, Father, for fire consuming them. We thank you for our kids burning like never before for you. Yeah, we thank you that they don't have to have a high level of understanding of who you are or who they are. They can keep it as simple like they're supposed to, like children, and still burn for you. We thank you for a fire placed on the inside of them that will never go out, that will propel them into their identity and into their destiny, into their assignment here on planet Earth. Yeah, thank you that you're not waiting for it to start. It's starting now. Thank you, Jesus. Bless what you're doing in the family, Lord. Bless what you're doing in the family. Thank you. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Give you all the glory, Jesus, for everything we get to do. It's all because of you. It's all for you. It's all with you. It's all with you, Jesus. It's all with you. Thank you. team up. Some of you may not need them. Some of you may. If you need to stay in the place that you're at right now and just continue to worship, just continue to let that fire burn. Stay right where you're at. We're good. Not rushing you. If you need to leave, we want to make sure that you can get out of here timely fashion you got kids if I need to grab them in the next next few minutes sake of the children's workers (laughs) 
especially all those kids got filled with fire. Boy, they're going to need help out there. <laughs> we got plenty of energy all the way that it is. So if you need prayer for anything, we got prayer people up here. No matter what it is, spiritual, emotional, physical, people want to prophesy to you. And remember this week, sign up for the prophetic school. If you've got the time, if God's drawn you to it, pray about it. You say, well, I just thought about it last minute. What if I just think about it on Friday? Just show up at the door. Just come on. That's for people watching online too. It's not too late. Come on Friday night. I'm sure sign-ups will still be open, but if you forget to do it, it's okay. We'll have people at the door that can help you. <laughs> we, just want, we just want to bless you. We just want to empower you. We just want to see you walk in a prophetic lifestyle. It helps. It's another way to release the fire you carry. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun. Some dynamic, amazing speakers. So I bless you guys. We love you. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the family. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.